Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the second edition of Draft Talk. I'm Justice Mosqueda. Um, you know, for Acme Packing Company, I always forget to say for Acme Packing Company at the beginning. Yeah, you're terrible at plugging the website, man. I, I know. <laughs> I know. I just assume you figured a way how to get this onto your, you know, little podcast feed or any uh, or something, or you got on the website and and played the little player. So I figure you're familiar with us. But plug, plug, plug. APC. I gotta send them. I got to send them to my grandpa manually. So like he might need the help on getting plugs for Acme Packing Company. Uh, he's not like the, uh, the little feeds, the RSS feeds. He, he's not up to he it. He doesn't understand the man. I just gotta, I just gotta send him the links via text and he figures it out from there. That is the voice of Tyler Brooke. Um, he is joining me. Um, we're, we're, we're talking about wide receivers for the most part, I would say in uh, this episode, but first I want to touch on, some of the comments to, uh, you know, the first draft talk that we had. One guy, Star Love, and I don't know how – it's it's pretty hard to judge, like, commenters versus, like, consensus thought of the fan base, right? Um, so not, not to, you know, make too much of this, but he says, I admit I didn't bother listening when it mentioned trading Love for a second-round pick below the title. <laughs> the hate for Love at APC is astounding. I don't – I don't know if that's even true. Like, I, I know there's a lot of people that are just like, wait and see, you know, love can become something. And I'm sure there's a world where love can develop into something else. I, I don't know if that world is sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, you know, not, not getting those reps, not getting, you know, those, those game snaps. I mean, look at what they had two years with love. They went into that Kansas city game and it seemed like they didn't know what quarterback they even had. Right. Like they made adjustments in the second half, but, if they were planning on him being that quarterback after two years and now they're pivoting, I don't know. Like I, how, how much hate can we really give Jordan Love? It seems like a blown pick at this point, doesn't it? I mean, I know Ben Albright who covers uh, the Denver Broncos and radio, uh, you know, in Denver, he's been one of the people that's, you know, talked up uh, the Aaron Rodgers stuff, you know, early and often uh, over the last two years, he was saying, you know, they, they probably can't even get like a, a fourth fifth round pick for love at this point the, the way that they're talking about him he's on a shorter contract he is going to get paid um if a team does decide to pick up that fifth year option and only explodes like what his salary is so i don't really even know if there is a trade market for love higher than a second round pick frankly like in an ideal hey, world the way i'm thinking about it you know if he, you can't get a fourth or fifth round pick of him you're giving him a compliment saying that they should trade a day two pick for him, right? Like that's, that's what you think of him as far as value compared to the average person. So that's a spin zone for you. Well, the, the, the big thing to me is like, I really do think that we are no longer looking at players in isolation in terms of their talent only at the NFL level. Once they're veterans, it is all about their contracts in the same way that like kind of the NBA is Jordan love is on a two-year contract now. He, he was drafted on a four-year contract. So you figure at the very least, he hasn't necessarily beaten the projections that were out there for him. So he should be worth about 50% of, of what he went for, which if a second round pick, that's about where that is. Anything less than a second round pick is he hasn't met expectations and anything above that is he's beating them. And I don't think he's beaten the expectations at this point. There's one team I think about constantly. Maybe it's just because I live here, but I think the Indianapolis Colts would actually make a lot of sense in a trade for Jordan Love. Uh, you know, there's obviously rumors about the Carson Wentz. They're going to move on from him. But with the Jim Mercy is just and, tweeting just random lines from like yeah. songs. And it's like, <laughs> yes, what's happening exactly. here? He's apologizing yeah, to the Jim. fan base. I, I like the apologizing <laughs> to the fan base. He's like, we will do whatever we need to do to get better at the quarterback position. And they're like, are you going to trade or release Carson Wentz? He's like, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. My, I mean, my thought process here is like, 
you know, let's say I totally get it. If you don't want to justify the massive cap hit, it takes in cutting wins. If you want to at least give him some competition, because Sam Ellinger is not going to compete with him for the starting role. You can theoretically trade. It, it's probably not going to be a day two pick. You could probably trade a day three pick for Jordan love. Uh, and then somehow start having a camp battle. It's a wild thought to think about because Wentz is established, but you know, it can put some fire under Wentz. You can pull the plug if it's a failure right at the beginning again, uh, and then see what Jordan love can do. Just a thought. Cause you know, any other option they have realistically is not going to work out this year. You're either going to stick with Wentz, you're going to draft a later quarterback in the second round, or you're going to try and make a trade for like Jimmy Garoppolo. Just none of these options seem feasible to me. So I'd be interested. That's that's one team when I think about if Jordan Love gets traded, which doesn't sound like they have any interest in, but the Colts would be interesting to me. Yeah, it's worth mentioning uh, Brian Gutekunst. We're recording this on, I guess, Wednesday night or Wednesday afternoon for me, Wednesday night for you. Um, this will probably it's already run. dark out over here. Yeah, we'll probably publish this on a Friday. But Brian Gutekunst today, earlier on Wednesday, um, had his you know pre combine you know meeting with the press. Uh, one of the questions he was asked was about Jordan Love. He basically said like this isn't the time that like teams would even be calling for a trade for Jordan Love. So it sounds like if that's going to happen, it'd be like a post combine type of situation, like in between the combine and the draft, not necessarily before the combine. But he also said. I'd be very doubtful that I would take any of those calls to begin with. So it sounds like love they're comfortable with him being the backup here. I mean, it's, he got, he gave, he was asked plenty of times, you know, whether he wanted, you know, Aaron Rodgers in the building or not moving forward. And he never said like, we're moving past Aaron. So it doesn't sound like they're, they're tired of this song and dance. You know, Aaron didn't uh, make a decision on Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show when he joined them. Um, he did. He did mention some other stuff, though. I, did you see uh, the uh, whole detox thing that he was going through? Yeah, I the first thought that came to my head when I heard about what it was, was uh, that gif of Nicolas Cage and Con Air when he steps into the, uh, <laughs> the fresh air for the first time, just smiling, long hair flowing in the wind. Um, that seems to be kind of the vibe that Aaron Rodgers is getting off. You know, he's very grateful. He's very grateful about a lot of things. Grateful. Likes to likes to mention gratitude. Likes to mention that people are uh, fearful of COVID, which is just a weird way to frame of like, you know, like a million people have died. Um, oh, what, a, what a note to, to leave off of. Um, I will say, I, I'm trying to figure out with the SB Nation NFL show that I host with, uh, you know, we do the Wednesday show with Steven Serta and, and Kyle Posey, who's, uh, they've both been on this network actually, you know, pre, uh, for the previews for the Kansas city chiefs game and both of the Niners games. Um, we're trying to figure out if we can like raise money and do the, uh, Pancha karma thing. I'm willing oh, to do no. it. I'm willing to do it. The problem is I was doing research on it. One, there's a place like seven blocks away from me. That'll do it. So like we're talking walking distance, like this is, this oh, is no. not an issue. We're at yeah, you need an expert for it, right? Like you need to make sure there's like an expert in this to be with Buddy, you do it. I am not flushing my innards without there being a medical professional somewhere. Without supervision. We, we are at the point now where we are, we are one, trying to figure out if insurance covers it. If it doesn't, how can we get funding for this on the, on the front end from the company? And then the, the, the third thing, and I don't know how he did this in 12 days. The research that we've done, you know, we're doing hashtag independent research over here. It says it's like a 30 day thing. Like you got to flush yourself for like 30 days. 30 days is a long commitment. I don't know if I could do that. It, you have to do an interview immediately after you finish it, just like Rogers, though, just to see how that goes. I'm going to be uh, doing interviews during it. Like, oh, no, if it's 30 days, like I can't I'm not taking 30 days off. Like you'll be hearing from me. He was saying that he was uh he was mid detox, like uh, when he was doing the NFL honors thing, when he was in the corduroy vest or the, the corduroy suit. Yeah, it seems like his fashion choices were kind of clouded by something. So that makes a lot of sense. I've done a five day juice cleanse before I did it right before the NFL season because I knew I was going to eat like shit, you know, for the rest of the year. Um, I don't think that can compete with eating butter and putting it in your nose and things coming out of places for 30 the, days. The nose is the easiest part because it's like yeah. the nose. Unless it the, smells terrible, then that's a real the puking. Problem. The puking doesn't seem fun. The uh, the other end, the other end doesn't seem fun. Then they flush you from like the inside, and then there's like an optional bloodletting uh, part of it. I'm not doing the bloodletting. I'm telling you right now, I'm not doing the bloodletting. 
but we'll, we'll we'll see we'll keep uh you guys tuned in too if we could do it and we can raise some money for for some people I'll, I'll do it i'll do it for a laugh like why not it's the only only time i'll probably ever do it in my life there were also people that were like why aren't you guys talking about later round quarterbacks um you know we spent most of the first draft oh, no. talk talking about you know guys who are talked about you know at the top end of the draft i i do think we kind of did talk about the later round quarterbacks. The problem is like they're getting pushed up the draft board in the first place. The other thing I'll say is like, if we believe Gutekunst that like, he's not going to trade love. If we think Rogers is coming back, which temperature check five check. Do we think Rogers is coming back? It's down to a six and a half from a seven and a half. I'm, I'm still up there. I, I just, I can't imagine him retiring at this point. I feel like he would have retired already if it would have been a pretty quick decision. So I knew this was going to be a trap of talking about quarterbacks again for another week. I know. Oh, I, I know. I, I know. Look, listen, we're, we're getting out of it quick. We're getting out of it quick, but Carson Strong's the only one we should probably talk about. Uh, I haven't watched anyone else. I know Bailey Zappi is a guy that you need to watch at some point, apparently, but uh, I have not watched any other QBs after I watched these guys. Cause it just kind of, it was hard. It was hard to watch them. Yeah. And strong, strong is a guy that I talked to my buddy Nate Tice about, and I was telling you this pre-show. His his last name is doing a lot for his draft stock, I think. Oh, everyone is great, just saying his full name is great. It's a he, great name. Everyone's just saying Carson Strong, strong arm. And I'm like, I don't know if he has a strong arm. He just seems like an air raid quarterback to me. And like that's probably a guy you can get as like a UDFA. So like I don't think that there's many quarterbacks in this draft class in general. And if they're gonna be keeping Jordan Love, I can't really see him in the quarterback market. And I know that's a bummer for Packers fans to hear that like love might just be a backup but like if you're not going to trade him like there's no other options like this, this is what's going to happen if, if rogers comes back so i don't know there's uh tyler is obviously very tired of uh talking about these quarterbacks so he doesn't want it he doesn't want to hear about it at all um, i don't get to talk about fullbacks because they don't exist anymore and then i have to talk about the shitty quarterback class that is really like you said i mean i think i have one or two guys in the top 40 that's just and they're in the thirties. It's not a, it's not a great class, which really stinks on the bright side. We're going to get some awesome, awesome quarterbacks. Uh, I think next year. Did you see the Miami Dolphins signed a fullback? Like first thing that they did with, uh, you know, under Mike McDaniel, John Lovett, uh, former green Bay Packers. Okay. All right. Like, yeah. First there we go. That, that was, that was the weird one to me. Cause that seems very much like uh, when I write the book on my success, I'll, I'll have that anecdote of, and the first thing we did was sign a fullback, you know, like type of thing <laughs> with Mike McDaniel coming off of Miami running, uh, you know, their deep game RPO stuff, which like no one else does in the NFL right now. Um, so that's going to be an interesting situation to watch just nationally. I know we're going a little off topic here, but like Tua being in that like actual Shanahan, uh, McVay, you know, LaFleur, whatever you want to call it. It's really just like Kubiak, type of like old old mike shanahan kubiak type of uh tree them going back to like fullback stuff and and getting two out of the rpo stuff i think bodes well for their program but does not bode well for Tua tongue Vilo. yeah i mean how often did he spend under center in miami so far in his career hardly ever and he basically yeah. didn't do it at alabama i mean that's not really what they were yeah. doing with those guys so I don't know. I tell you what, when they were under center, they weren't using a fullback. I, I can tell you that right now. A um, couple other things. Actually, I can't believe, I actually okay. don't know if there are any fullbacks. I haven't watched any fullbacks in this draft class yet, which makes me a little sad. I already had uh, my cousin because he's playing football in like fourth grade. And he was just like, what position did you play growing up? And I said fullback. And he went, what's that? And that, that one hurt, man. That hurt. I know uh, uh, Eric Galco, my former boss, at the XFL, he's running a Shrine game now, and they had some kid from uh, Northern Illinois who's like a move tight end, fullback type of guy, and he was like, "Yeah, he's like, he's gonna be like the Deguara in, in this class that like gets drafted high, and everyone's gonna be like, yep, top fullback off the board and stuff like that." So maybe he's a guy for you to watch. Um, just talking about write that some, down. Yeah, <laughs> jot it down, add it to add it to the watch list. Um, some Packers notes just on the front end uh, before we get into this draft. Um, Packers restructured Kenny Clark's deal. Pretty big deal. They pushed $10 million of cap space down the line. Um, they signed a kicker, uh, Dominic Eberly, I believe is how you say his name. His nickname is Das Boot. He was born in uh, in Germany. So, like, maybe he maybe he plays for the Packers. And uh, when the Packers play in, in Munich or something and 
2022 or 2024, uh, he, he gets to go back or something. He had, he had previously worked with Rich Passaccia. I, I crunched the numbers for the 2022 draft class. Um, there's basically three kickers to look for. Cade York from LSU. Gabe Bursick, I think is how you say his name. Burkich. From Oklahoma. Burkich. Burkich. And then uh, Caleb Shadak um, from Iowa. And, and those guys are all pretty solid. York and Bursic, how do you say it? Burkich. Burkich. I just it's run a the numbers. very fun name to say. It's it's a lot of consonants in a, in a <laughs> yes. row. It freaks me out. Um, both of those guys are invited to the combine. The Iowa kid was not invited to the combine, so he's probably more like a UDFA type. But Everly probably would have been like the fourth best uh, kicker in the 2022 draft class if we were evaluating him based off of, you know, his numbers coming out of college. He was a record setter at Utah State, you know, had played with uh, Jordan Love at the same time. So it's not like he's nothing. You know, they said earlier that, like, uh, again, going back to the Gutekunst stuff, that, like, Mason Crosby is being looked at as, like, a championship-level kicker and playoff-winning teams or or Super Bowl-winning teams have that championship-level kicker. Um, Doesn't sound like they necessarily – like, it won't be one of the first moves that they make to, to release Mason Crosby. So at this point, they are holding three kickers between Everly, Crosby, and J.J. Molson, who, you know, was on the practice squad the entire year, was a protected player, which you would think uh, holds some value. But at the same time, it's like, well, if a kicker went down, they had to use someone. And, you know, COVID was swirling around, so guys were missing games all the time. You know, it, it was actually kind of surprising Molson didn't get in, in, in some action. Like, Everly was able to get in action this past year as a COVID replacement for the Houston Texans. So it'll be interesting to see how all that stuff shakes out. My concern with Crosby is the kickoffs. Like, do you hope that you right. find a punter that can do kickoffs? Cause I mean, his legs gone. He can't, well, that's what they had Molson do. Like Molson in the preseason basically didn't place kick. Like I think he did like two extra points or something like that. Everything yeah. else was just kickoffs. So, but you can't have a roster spot of a guy that just does kickoffs. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. Right. We're talking about using, you know, starters on special teams or using roster spots for full-time special teamers and they already had you know a couple of problems in terms of being able to have guys on game day with their 53-man roster and their their 46-man game day uh roster just because of how many spots they were using for like quote-unquote like developmental players right and you figure with without free agency with basically two years of all new additions are either you know practice squad pickups post June one free agency signings and draft picks, you're going to need some developmental spots. So there's just no way that they're going to be able to do that. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, Paul dropped a <laughs> dropped another song on active packing oh. company called Aaron Rodgers Instagram to the tune of white woman's Instagram by Bo Burnham. It's amazing. I mean, it made me laugh out loud. I was in a union meeting earlier. I, I had to, uh, mute myself because i was like i'm cackling too loud and just like i was playing it on mute but he had like the words and i was like oh my goodness all right i i gotta take a listen to this and then stepped out listened to it for a little bit and was like this is absolutely worth it paul paul might be our best asset at apc oh honestly. yeah he's the he's the wild card in a way or like the flex because he can do some like really high quality like statistical analysis and then he can dub over songs and make his own and he's done a lot of those and they've been pretty good. This one far and away, like absolutely just crushed everything else. I was just cooking dinner and I was out loud laughing, like crouched over my counter, just like could not focus. I actually forgot to set the timer on my chicken because I was laughing so hard. It was like the two minute mark is really when it started setting in for me. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to go click on that it's called Aaron Rodgers Instagram on APC, uh, very much uh, suggest you guys to, to go listen to it at least once. I have now, now let's now we're in the hashtag draft talk. I have now seen 10 wide receivers that I feel pretty good about in terms of evaluation. Um, we talked about the wide receivers a little bit uh, last episode. I know we spent probably too much time on the quarterbacks. That's on me. Um, but I've seen these guys, the way that I would tier them starting off, Traylon Burks from Arkansas, Jamison Williams from Alabama, Chris Olave from Ohio State, Justin Ross from Clemson, that's tier one of, of talent to me. Then it's Drake London from USC, Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. Tier, George Pickens, Georgia, John Mechie from Alabama, Romeo Dobbs from 
uh, Nevada tier, and then Christian Watson. And I haven't seen everyone. So, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the consensus board right now. Guys, I haven't seen Jahan Dotson from Penn State. I know he's a smaller guy. David Bell, I feel pretty good about uh, my evaluation of him, but I just haven't really put pen to paper there, I guess. Uh, Wendell Robinson from Kentucky, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, Khalil Shaker from Boise State, and Alex Pierce uh, from Cincinnati. I, I've seen him in passing because I've watched Desmond Ritter. But just talking about that top tier, we, we talked about Burks, you know, a pretty good amount last episode. He's a do-it-all guy, right? He plays the wing. He plays a slot. He's in the backfield. He doesn't really play that many reps outside, but when he does get reps outside, I mean, he's able to beat guys deep and vertical. He's a guy that, like, he legit might run, like, a 4-3 something um, at 225 at, at the combine, you know, put up freak numbers and just shoot up everyone's board. Um, I think the hand size is going to freak people out, too, because I've heard those stories I about his gloves. Yeah, I saw the yeah. things after you told me about the custom gloves, and they're like, yeah, he has to wear a 5XL glove, and I'm like, I, that doesn't even make sense to me. So, yeah, yeah I mean, he's going to be a guy, I think, everyone ends up loving. I think everyone's going to have him as like a top at very least 15 pick. My next guy, Jamison Williams from Alabama. He's not really a Packers type of guy. And what I mean by that is like basically every wide receiver on the roster is 210 and above in terms of weight. Like they very much value being able to block on the perimeter because so much of the offense is going to run through Devonte Adams. Um, and it's completely understandable. Like if you have, Oh yeah let's say you have Jamison Williams on your team. He's a smaller, he's, he's kind of like Deshaun Jackson. It's probably the best way to explain him. I know people will probably say Tyreek uh, Hill or something like no, that. No, I like that count. That makes a lot of sense. Cause you know, he, he's not the stock. Also, you know, people forget that Tyreek Hill is kind of built. Like he's thick yeah. for being tiny. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so if you have like a Jamison, who's, you know, a deep ball, like real home run hitter, like elite, elite, elite speed, opposite of Devonte Adams that means you only have one guy that you can really play around you know with with those games that Green Bay likes to do and they do it plenty where you know they they'll motion down Alan Lazard they'll motion down MBS they'll motion down even um Amari Rogers sometimes and and use them as like an extra tight end where they come out in 11 personnel with three wide receivers and one tight end defense comes out nickel and then they motion down the wide receiver and now you're their nickel corner is having to play Sam linebacker. And it's like, well, we can figure out a way to how to get Mercedes Lewis onto that guy. It's like that, that corner is never winning that block. Right. So like yeah. being able to do that is a big thing for their scheme and the way that they see football. And we've seen it for three years now, and we've seen it in the wide receiver talent acquisition phase, both in, you know, free agency and the draft and, you know, picking up guys from practice squads like Juwan Winfrey, right. He, even he's a, a bigger guy. Um, they didn't seem to like Randall Cobb. I would assume that that's one of the reasons why they talked about uh, when Odell Beckham Jr. Was, was in the mix in Green Bay, right? They were saying, you're probably just like a third down guy for us. And that, that was part of the pitch. Well, you could play every down with the Los Angeles Rams because they're a gun progression team. That's not who the Packers are. So of course they would look at him as like a, a third down only because what are you going to do? Motion down Odell Beckham Jr. to, to block for for aj dylan you know in the run game no are you going to use him to block for Devonte adams in the screen game no so he's not like an every down player i think jamison williams kind of is in that mold in that like he's a deep threat he would be really fun in green bay it would change their offense dramatically if he came in through the door he's a guy i think other teams are going to value more than the packers yeah i even on the notes when i'm looking through them after i watched him like you know it's one thing if you like have the effort there as a blocker, right? He doesn't have that. He gets bullied at the point of attack when he's blocking. Well, they don't, and... they don't run black at Bama. They run <laughs> yeah. RPO. So like, why would he block anyone when, when his option is I'm, I'm running the slant, right? Yeah, that's fair. Um, so yeah, you can say like, Oh, he could replace MVS, but I think people forget that, you know, Lazard gets all the credit for blocking, you know, MVS can get dirty every now and then. So uh, if you're trying to replace MVS with this guy, yeah, you're like, you said, you're going to lose the blocking component for sure, which makes things a little bit trickier. My third guy, Chris Olave from Ohio state smooth. He is so, that's the first word that comes out of my mouth. It's, it's funny watching him and Garrett Wilson. They're both, you know, highly regarded. Uh, wide receivers in this class some people have Garrett Wilson as their wide receiver one um, which I was kind of surprised by I think that's probably a youth thing like I know like one of the talking points now is like 
Traylon Burks, why is he a year older than than people in his draft class, even though he's like a true junior or whatever? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like how many you're still gonna have them 21. the same amount of years on his rookie deal. So yeah, it, it, age is one of the most over Aaron Rodgers is 35. I am like begging him to come back. Not 35, he's got to be like 38 at this point. I think he's 38. I got I gotta be begging. I'm begging for Aaron Rodgers to come back. And age doesn't it, it just doesn't matter that much. I'm sorry, talent matters more than age. Um, Chris Olave, very smooth. He reminds me a lot of Calvin Ridley. And again, I don't think that he's a Packers type of guy. Ohio State is another one of those offenses where like the wide receivers are there to catch balls. Like they're not there to block. They're not there to um, move around and and motion down to the line of scrimmage and and help chip on like, you know, pin and pulls, outside runs, stuff like that. Chris Olave is there to receive passes. He is very good at that. I think he's going to be valued in other places more than Green Bay but he certainly has his talent. Um, again, I, I really think that he's a Calvin Ridley type of guy. That's the comparison that stuck with me immediately watching his film. And I actually went back to watch some of Ridley stuff. And I was like, yep, they moved the exact same. Like that's the same guy. I had written down somewhere. I don't think I wrote down in here, but I saw a little bit of Doug Baldwin. Just like that. that's a guy I always thought of as smooth. So mm-hmm. um, that was just a guy example I had, but yeah, it's really an easy, it's an easy evaluation. As soon as you just say it's smooth. I think people can kind of visualize that. Um, it's weird a lot of times because it is, I think it is a pretty top heavy wide receiver class. He just seems to get overlooked a lot. Maybe it's because Wilson is there. Maybe just because, you know, they've got guys. I think people just got like bored with him too, because there's There's, just, there's nothing wrong with boring if you're open. Yeah. Well, he came back for a senior year. Right. And he's He's, for the record. I don't think he should have because his 2020 tape compared to his 2019, like you saw a huge step forward, especially like explosiveness off the line and things like that. So like, I think he could have been a first or early second round pick. Had he gone pro a year early. He was a guy that I think he's just had three years of production and people are just tired of talking about him and they want the new shiny thing, but he's still that guy. I I hate to break it to you guys. I watched, um, I guess we'll talk about Wilson here too the way they break out of routes is so different. Like Wilson is so choppy and unbalanced coming out of stuff. And I even, I thought I'm, I'm buddies with a uh, NCAA track coach. Um, and he was telling me like, it looks like either a strength or balance issue, the, the way that he's end up breaking out of routes. So like Wilson and Olave, you can watch them run the exact same like stutter fade on the outside sideline, right. Where, you know, you're just running straight vertical you're trying to make the the corner think that you're running a curl and then you try to run right by him. And every time that they run mirrored routes, you can see Olave, you know, at, at once he, before he stops, one of the receivers stop uh, running and they see the ball being thrown to the other guy. Olave is five yards deeper downfield every single time. And Wilson's the guy who's being tabbed as potential number one wide receiver in the class, high upside, all this stuff. And I do think that his upside is probably a tick higher if he can clean up a lot of the things that you know just breaking out of routes really is, is the big one but yeah, like a lot of it is so far thing. ahead yeah but a lot of it is so far ahead yeah. right now that it's like it's not it's not worth it like maybe maybe there's a difference you know eight years down the line but four years down the line absolutely not and especially when we're talking about the Packers window right you should be talking about you know the next couple of seasons so I have a lobby as my third wide receiver I should also mention Jamison Williams is coming off of that ACL tear um, that he had down in Indianapolis. A lot of these wide receivers are banged up. Um, he has that. Justin Ross has the neck issue. He's my next wide receiver. Uh, wide receiver. Yeah, four. we should talk about Ross because you know you're much higher on him than a lot of people, and the neck injury is probably why I don't have him as high yeah. as you know. Obviously, you do because uh, I can't ever see that. But I want you to have the floor on Ross because, I, you know, you said day one on him, and I was like, whoa, okay, let's talk about this. He is twitched up, man. Yep. Like, he is going to win off the line against anyone. Um, they didn't get a lot of press, man. They're at Clemson. They they run limited routes. Um, so I don't think he's going to be, like, necessarily, like, a route-savvy guy coming in, but we've seen that over and over with Clemson guys and then them being able, be able to learn it just because it's not what's asked of them. I mean, Clemson's passing game, really is like very hairy high school, right? It's a lot of boots, um, vertical shots. Ross is going to be a great vertical shot guy, you know, day one. Um, and I think that's where he makes his bread and butter. He is a bigger guy. He, he does crack that threshold of like, I'm over 200. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the medicals check out. I mean, that's something that we're probably going it, to, it's going to get leaked, you know, probably, you know, a week after the combine, we're going to hear like, 
28 teams think that his medical is totally fine or 28 teams think, you know, it, it's real bad. We're, we're going to see. The, the big thing for Ross is he had early production at Clemson. Looked like he was going to be an all-star, right? People were like, holy crap, this guy has the potential to be, you know, a little bit shorter version of like Julio Jones. And he, he, he made this- some insane catch in the playoff as a true freshman that I vividly remember. I was like, that was one of the most athletic damn things I've ever seen a wide receiver do. Um, and then, yeah, after the injury, it just kind of went away. But yeah, absolute production early on. So he has that. Then he has a neck injury. So he's out. Then he has DJ Uyunglele throwing him the ball. And it is frustrating. I mean, you can watch that Clemson offense. They probably have five, six guys uh, just in terms of the pass catchers, who are probably going to get looks at the NFL level. Their quarterback situation is just bad. So he, he, he's in this weird spot where I understand why he would be ranked lower for people. But if you're like watching the all 22 and seeing him get off a of press and just be able to burn guys vertically, it's, it's not like he has questions with his hands or anything like that. As long as his medical's clear, he, sh- he should be thought of as, you know, a top five, you know, wide receiver talent in, in this class. I saw uh, NFL.com Lance Zierlein, who's, you know, one of my buddies. So I'm not trying to call out Lance. He just, he put his name on it. So I'm going to talk about it, but, um, he had Ross as like wide receiver 17 or something. In the oh, wow. Class. And I was like, Ooh. that's way too low, entirely yeah. too low. Like if, if that guy's neck functions, like clear, like you should be a high draft pick. It's um, six, it's six, four, 200 pound receiver with deep speed. I mean, like, I don't know how you don't immediately fall in love with that. Just hearing that he's a guy where I think he's going to shoot up draft boards, just off measurables. As long as the medicals cheer it clear out, because you're going to see that size and you're going to see that 40 time. You're going to see that length thing. Like, all right, sign me up for that. Yeah. And I think all these guys are running four fours. Um, Jameson, Jameson run, might run like a four two once he, once he's healthy, but I was going to say, I was like, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to run. No, he's not, he's not running. He's not running, but I, I think all these guys are fast. The next guy, Drake London from USC. And we talked about him a little bit. He is kind of like the Alan Lazard type of guy in this draft class. And he's a little bit better than Lazard is. Um, he certainly isn't Mike Evans from what I saw though. Like, I do think the speed limitations do probably matter. And the fact that he was like the guy at USC uh, gravitate, like the gravity of coverage went to him. Right. So that's going to open up at the NFL level. But I think when you're talking about a guy who's going to be a first round pick, probably right. You want that guy to be a tick faster because if he can't win with speed, you start having a little bit of issues once they rotate coverage. That's my big question for him. I also don't think he's going to run. At the combine, again, we're talking about how banged up all these wide receivers are. Basically, I had the fresh London ankle has or whatever. Yeah, yeah, London had the ankle that ended his season. I think in October. I'd be shocked if he ran at the combine. He's yeah. probably not going to do anything until his pro day. So, I uh, yeah, London's one of those interesting ones because I think we talked about it last time. Like I refuse to tr- like I get fall in love with a big bodied jump ball receiver every year. Um, but I think the thing that's like the real differentiator between him and a lot of these guys that everyone's drawn to every year, it's his contact balance after the catch. Like there are some oh, plays yeah. where he has no business. He has no business. Dude, he's catching a bad screen two yeah. yards behind the line of scrimmage. The ball is inaccurate and the wide receiver doesn't block for him. And then he's, <laughs> yeah. he'll still break two tackles and get you four yards. And you're like, yeah. okay. And then he'll do this. He'll do the Lazard stuff where he motions down into the line of scrimmage and he just digs out a linebacker and stuff. So, like, that's his game. I understand it. I, I value it a lot. But I think at the end of the day, like, even at USC, I think he's going to run, like, a four, five, six. Yeah. Like, and I think people are going to overreact to that. And then that's when Drake London starts to fall down draft boards. I'm just going to go with the assumption that that's what he's going to run on, on the front end, you know? Hey, I'll tell you what if like any of these top edges aren't available, assuming they let Preston Z go, bring me Drake London. Uh, you know, you're talking yeah. about your concerns, like they move coverage, you know, that's going to be Devante's job. So you got Drake London and they're doing some dirty work, you know, getting him in line. Uh, and then having Rogers throw jump balls to him, like sign me all the way up for that. I think the London thing, if, if they turn in the pick for London, you don't have to look at a Lazard extension anymore. Nope. So now you got two of them and, you could basically not play with a tight end in 2022. Oh, snap. I didn't even guys, think about that. You know? Yeah. I kind of like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you have Lazard London out there. I mean, you could be in 10 personnel or, or 20 personnel and, and still be in like a two 12 tight end 22. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that would be nasty. 
Uh, Garrett Wilson, we already talked about him a little bit. Do you have any other notes on him? He would be my sixth wide receiver graded right now. I think the way you described it is great. Like, I think if you, if he can get someone like that's a good enough coach to like have him buy into like movement efficiency or something like that, get like a biomechanist to talk to this guy. Like if you were more efficient with your movement, like we can see the athleticism, but if you can actually work on that movement, like being effective for you, that's where I see the upside. I think that's why a lot of people are high on him. Um, But yeah, I get it. Like, you know, the more I watch him, it is, it's choppy. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, Who knows if maybe we're thinking maybe a little, extra critical because Olave is on the other side of the field and just does everything so effortlessly. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ohio state, man, just unfair. Like stop having so many good wide receivers. It's, it's really annoying. Jamison Williams, uh, yeah, was Alabama wide guy. receiver was an Ohio state guy. They have two more uh, coming up that are probably draft eligible. I, I think they're draft eligible next year that are going to be. Yeah, I think soon. everyone's saying that Smith and Jigba is the expected top wide receiver, at least at the moment. Obviously this stuff will change in a year. All right. You've seen all these guys. This is a hot take that I've heard a lot of times is Smith Nigjigba is the best wide receiver at Ohio State. He's he's number 11. It's Olave. And and, and that's where I keep going back to like people are getting the hot takes though. Yeah, but people are like he's he's the best one. And I'm like, no, it's it's Olave. It's the guy who's done it for three years. Like he's the all-star and he's getting coverage rotated to him and he's still getting his. Like he's that guy. Sorry. He is that guy, pal. He is that guy. Yeah, I, I love him. I just, I don't think he's going to be a Packer, so I'm just hoping he ends up in the AFC. You know, Olave, Jameson. Go I'm have just, fun in the AFC. Catch let's be honest, man. Like, uh, Lamar or something. This this wide receiver class is so low to the top. I'm just hoping we can talk about any of these guys in Packers jerseys, even if they don't get a first-round pick, hopefully a second. Right. And then here here's when I have, like, the strong cutoff day two guys that I would pick. George Pickens, who obviously didn't play very much this past year for Georgia, um, had to watch some of his uh, t- uh, 2020 film and stuff. He was a guy. He's a he's a freaking bully, and he I is a guy that who has, about him. has the size to be a Green Bay type of wide receiver. Um, I thought there was going to be more speed there, and I thought he was going to be a little bit more refined, and he wasn't, which is totally fine. I mean, Wilson and Pickens are the last two guys that I think like. I see the upside for, but like, they're not necessarily like there yet. Like, I think they're probably going to be wide receiver three, like the first two years of their NFL career. And then they're probably going to take big steps if they can, you know, find a solid quarterback, find a solid wide receivers coach, work on the craft, all that stuff. Um, But he also obviously has the injury concern of like barely playing this past season. So there's another star wide receiver who's been banged up a little. It's kind of amazing that he played it all, honestly, because I think he tore his ACL or spring practice and then came back yes. to play, which is honestly amazing. And he caught like one deep ball, like each playoff game. And then yep. that was like, that was it. And honestly, that one, that one in the national championship too was like, you know, George's offense could not get going at all until that mm-hmm. play happened. So he's my thing. My favorite note I wrote about him. He is an instant slash like that is part of his game. And, uh, it, you know, if you need a guy on your team that wants to fill that role, I don't, could you say the Packers have anyone like that on offense? Not entirely sure. And do you want a guy like, actually, personally, would you want a guy like that on your offense? I'd like it. I mean, he's a bully. Like, get yeah. him and Devontae out there and just let them bully guys. Like, yeah. the, other, the other thing about Pickens, too, is they run screens to him. Um, yeah. So he's a guy who's going to, like, you know, put his shoulder down and, and get some extra yards. So you could play around games like that. Like, I know – a lot of times, right, like you hear the defensive coordinators talk about like where Devontae is in the formation. Like if he's off the line of scrimmage, you know, there's a screen threat there. Well, now if you have two screen threats on the same side, you can't be playing like, you know, we have to be alerted to screen if X. Now it's yeah. we have to be alerted to screen, period, right? So if you get a guy like that next to Devontae, I, I'd, I'd like to see it because now we can do a lot of stuff where, we've really only had one of those guys because it's very rare to see a big wide receiver who can also handle screen game, which yep. we see with Devonte. but I don't think you would describe MVS as that. I don't think you'd describe Alan Lazard as that. No. Um, so if you can get a guy like Pickens who can also do that, that just brings another dimension to the offense where it's like, now we can have screens on both sides of the line of scrimmage when we're running run plays, right? It doesn't just have to be backside to, to Devonte, 
Yeah, and I don't think I have any notes written about his run blocking. So, you know, I don't think – obviously, if that's not the case, I didn't he's, watch enough he's of a his bully. run blocking. He he's is a bully. good. Well, he, I was going to say – Georgia Tech one, he pushes the guy into the well, sideline, drives him yeah. into the bench and, like, takes off his helmet. He sprayed water, I think, at, at a Michigan guy after after he was down on the ground on the sideline. Like, this dude is certified bully. Certified bully. I could see LaFleur buying himself – or talking himself into that, like, get me this guy. Yeah. The big thing again with him is just going to be medicals because yeah. we haven't seen him play, you know, a full, a full year in what yep. twenty months or something like that. Uh, next guy on my list, John Mechie from Alabama. He's also banged up, <laughs> drink, unreal drink at home. Um, he is just fine to me. Like he is the wide receiver three. He's going to be good for a contract. I bet he puts up enough production where he ends up getting like a Sterling Shepard type of deal with someone else um on his second deal but i don't see a game breaker there yeah uh, the the thing that stands out immediately for me like i do think he's a pretty damn good route runner um but other than that there's not a lot like you know it's a pretty thin frame um I, yeah he lacks top end speed um another thing i he's know not is that, that he's not that fast he's not slow. no he's, he's not slow he's, but he's not fast yeah he's gonna run like low four fives i would say like four five two four five three something like that. I also don't love his hands in traffic. And I think that that's something yes. I, you know, I, I like to see in a guy. So it, outside of the route running, there wasn't a lot I loved. So I have a three grade on him, but it's early day three. Um, ACL does not help on that either. Like you, you can find a role for him. He can be a, you know, a third or fourth receiver in my opinion and like be productive. I'm not saying he's not gonna be a productive NFL player. It's just, I don't think there's any physical traits on there that just really stand. And to talk about a guy who's not on my board yet, just because I haven't, again, haven't seen him fully. I think that's where David Bell starts coming to play at Purdue, right? Where he is a thicker wide receiver. He's a type of body that the Packers are going to like. He run blocks. He plays in the slot. He does a lot of high point stuff. He's kind of like a longer, stronger, more consistent, like his hands are more consistent version of John Mechie, if that makes any sense. So I, I would anticipate Bell being over Mechie whenever, you know, I, I do get him on my board, whenever I do end up watching Purdue, uh, you know, in the coming weeks. The last guy for day two for me, Romeo Dobbs from Nevada. He, he is fun. He is a vertical threat. That is basically all he is right now. He takes a lot of plays. Like, he would just watch watch the ball on run plays. Like, that. that is kind of how – Nevada's offense is built. We already talked about Carson Strong. It's very air raidy, um, like to the T air raid, like like almost a meme of like what you think of that offense. I think there's room for growth there, and I think that's why you put him in day two. I think he's a tick faster than you know Mechie and Pickens. Um, he is further away than a guy like Garrett Wilson. But if you miss out on like the Garrett Wilson sweepstakes, and you're still looking for you know a speed wide receiver on day two. I think Dobbs is the guy to look at. So truthfully, I haven't had a ton of time to watch him. You brought him up maybe, you know, maybe right after you watched him like last week. So I figured I'd turn on some tape. Uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me, I do like his contested catchability on like Mechie. So that's something, you know, I wanted to see uh, at least deep down the field. Um, unfortunately, like I said, don't have a ton on him. I've got some more on these other guys that you haven't watched, but, you know, I can talk a little bit about them after we get uh, through your list. Yeah, and then the last guy, I've seen Christian Watson, North Dakota State. I watched his highlights first, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this dude, <laughs> this dude must be a beast, right? I uh, ended up watching three FCS games of him playing, like, Towson and, like, Albany and stuff like that earlier on in the year. Um, thought I was going to like him more than I ended up, like, actually liking him. I, I know some of the senior bowl clips are going around and stuff, too. Um I, I really do think that like practices when guys aren't fully padded is a whole different situation than like in-game uh, performance, I guess is the way to, to say it. Like it's, it's not a simulation of like game situations, I guess. Yeah. Um, Watson is a guy that actually reminds me a lot of uh, what's the name? Uh, David Moore. Like he's a little bit longer version of like mm -hmm. David Moore. Um, when, when David Moore was playing in that uh, Seattle Seahawks offense, I'm not talking about him as a return man, um, where he's just kind of like a vertical guy. He's a bigger body. And you're like, wow, 
this guy should be better than he is, but he he, just, <laughs> he isn't really refined in yeah. any sort of way. Like he's just kind of high weight speed. That's just kind of who he is. So I have him like borderline day two, day three. And that was the last guy that I've seen in this draft class. Uh, he's one of those guys where you can tell the people that just watch the YouTube highlights, right? Like, like wow, look how incredible. His YouTube highlights are, are great. Yeah. I, I will say yeah. the first time you see him take that end around for like a 55 yard touchdown, you're like, this dude's going to yeah. be Debo. I, I think he does a lot of things. Well, like, uh, you know, I think he's solid in a lot of categories that you want out of a wide receiver. I do think his feet, you know, aren't as fast. I would like to see. I don't think he's as explosive as you'd like to see, but I think it looks better on tapes because he's playing against significantly inferior competition. Oh, for um, sure. He just wants by guys. Yeah. But that being said, like, you know, he's got the physical traits for it. So like, I think he can be a solid player. He's probably not someone you want to be your one, but he is a physical wide receiver that I think could be pretty solid. I think he's a guy borderline wide receiver three, four early on, like we're talking rookie year and then he's going to contribute yeah. on teams like that. That's what he's going to do. And then that's not um, bad. Yeah. Just to mention again, Dobbs and Watson are both, uh, you know, Packers frame type of wide receivers. Um, let's take it to break and then we'll come back. You tell me about some of these guys I haven't seen and uh, talk about the tight end class a little bit. I've seen a couple, oh, of them, but not too many. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right. So we'll talk about the wide receivers I haven't seen. These are still guys I got to go through. Um, we'll knock David Bell off the list early on. Do you have any objections to what I said? He's basically, you know, a longer, stronger, more consistent version of, of Mechie. No, I like him. I may not like have him ranked numerically as like in the top 50, but I have a top 50 grade on him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got a nice real, he's got a really nice route tree. I think he creates separation really well. Uh, another nice guy that with the ball in his hands. Um, something about Purdue. You, I got to say nice things about two Purdue players in uh, consecutive weeks. So I'm really wear IU gear as we're talking about this. Um, I really like David Bell. Um, he's not going to be – Rondale Moore I thought was going to be the second coming before he had injury problems. So, uh, I don't think he's on level for me personally, um, but he definitely absolutely has the size to play in the NFL, unlike Rondale Moore. Right. So, such different – wide receivers too i, I think though it's wild they were both on the same team in lafayette indiana makes no sense to me no no reason why that needed to happen but um i guess like if the injury risk guys are gone right like ross and pickens are gone it's round two burks williams Olave, london wilson already went that's when david bell in the second round really starts to make sense right like if they have to I had a wide receiver. MVS walked out of the building. You're unsure if maybe Juwan Winfrey might be your third wide receiver coming into this. I mean, we got to remember Winfrey played more snaps on offense than Amari Rogers did. Equinamia St. Brown is about to be a free agent. MVS is about to be a free agent. Devontae is probably going to get tagged based off of, you know, the conversations that they're having in public right now. If the, the difference is like, all right, do we take David Bell in round two, or do we have Juwan Winfrey start for, for 17 games? I, I think that's when you turn in the pick for him, right? Well, I think the question is, does he make it to the Packers' second-round pick if they don't take him in the first, which I wouldn't take him in the first. So I do have a day-two pick that's on him. Way too, that's way two. too high for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the other thing, I'm hearing from all my Bears friends and people I follow that follow the Bears, like everyone in Chicago is in love with this guy. So I do imagine that, you know, he is potentially their pick in the second round. Uh, at least it strongly feels like that. To you. Um, I don't need Chicago. that. Yeah, I know. Bad vibes. Uh, Jahan Dotson, I think we talked about him a little bit last week, but he, he's a smaller guy. He can fly, right, from Penn State? Yeah, I finally figured out a comp for him, and it just made sense as soon as I heard it. Emmanuel Sanders, a little bit undersized, okay. sized, you know, plays well deep, plays, you know, great body control and catch outside of his frame. When I put all that together and then I think of Emmanuel Sanders, that, that just seems like the easiest comp. It's always so funny because, like, the guys in that role in this offense 
always do so like even Emmanuel Sanders in San Francisco right or Godwin when when uh he was going off there like those guys look so good and then the teams just let them walk the Rams when they have Brandon Cooks um now with OBJ like they, they always have them there but then it's like a short-term thing because they're like ah but we would really want just like a bigger version of you so we'll, we'll just like <laughs> trade you yeah. for equal value you know it, it's very weird so I could see the yeah because it stinks it stinks for those guys because they produce yeah I mean like Brandon weird. Cook's career is falling apart in Houston and that guy's been consistently good his entire career. He's the only guy who's going to get traded five times for first round picks. It's amazing. Like he's going to have five first round picks spent on him over his career, including, you know, the, the original drafting of him. It's nuts. doesn't make sense. Um, Wendell Robinson legit have not seen them. I know Kentucky runs basically the Rams old offense, like Rams golf offense. Um, their offense coordinator just got hired by the Rams after being an assistant with them. Do you have any thoughts on him? He's just a playmaker, man. Like, you know, explosive. There's He can set you up with his speed, and then, like, once he gets the ball in his hands, he can just burn past you. Um, I see a little T.Y. Hilton in him just because, again, it's an undersized guy. He's listed at 5'11". I think he's smaller. I think he's closer to 5'9", just when I watch him. Uh, okay, but he's a guy like he, guy then. <laughs> no, he's just not a Packers guy. Off the board. He plays tough. He's explosive. We can just move on because he's not a Packers guy. Uh, Jalen Tolbert. I've seen a lot of hype around this guy. I have yeah, not pinged you last South night, Alabama. So I watched him for the first time last night, and I pinged you. I was like, I think you need to check this guy out. Uh, everyone's like, he turns 23 in like four days. I think his birthday is the end of the month. And I was like, yeah, small school guy. You know, I heard that like it was like the mobile mobile invite. So I think South Alabama is in mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dude's got some wheels. Uh, you know, a pretty solid rat runner, you know, great deep ball guy. I think he was one of the, I think PFF uh, tracked that he had more. He was one of the top guys as far as deep yards, like earned. So I thought mm. that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, he's got juice. Uh, he played against Tennessee and I think he played really well. Um, yeah. I, I just want you to watch and we'll come back next time we do draft talk. I want to hear your thoughts on him. We can talk a little bit more in depth. But he's a guy, you know, in that third or fourth round where, like, if they're looking for a wide receiver still and picked one up, and I heard Jalen Tolbert's name get called, I'd get pretty excited. Awesome. I'll add him to the list. I'll watch him for sure. I, I need to watch Dotson just because he's going to be, you know, a high draft pick. Uh, so I'll watch both of those before we get back to, to each other. Um, Khalil Shakir from uh, Boise State. He's actually, get this, he's my, he's my brother's buddy. I haven't watched him. I've not watched him. Lizzie hasn't given me a reason to watch him. You have a personal connection to the guy. He's like, nah, I'm not going to watch yeah, him. My, my brother's a, a Boise State grad. He, what was it? Pandemic time. So I, I can't even tell. It was either last year or the year before my brother graduated from BSU. So um, he's still tight with uh, Khalil, but haven't watched the guy. I know uh, Nate uh, Tice likes him a good amount. Nate is the guy I okay. kind of am going through on suggestions of like, should I even watch I mean, understandable. Guy? Nate knows his stuff. So it makes sense. Hashtag Nate knows ball. Um, but yeah, tell, tell me a little bit about Khalil. I haven't watched him either. <laughs> there we go. No reason to watch yeah. Boise. They're not giving us reasons. Uh, Alex Pierce is the last wide receiver on the consensus top 100 that I found online. Uh, he played at Cincinnati. I've watched him a little bit. He's a guy, he's going to run four fives. I would say mid four fives, maybe even late four fives. He's a bigger body guy though. His big thing is just like acrobatic catches. I understand the hype on him, but the fact that he can't really generate separation worries me. Um, he is kind of like the Packers type of guy. If you're looking like height, weight, speed, you know, strength run blocking, but like he might be less dynamic than like Alan Lazard. So I don't know how happy I am about turning in a draft pick for him. Honestly, he can't create separation. I, I think he's a white guy. Now with the Mike McDaniel thing, I don't want to assume anyone's white. Okay. So I'm going to just, <laughs> Yeah, right out of the gate. But I just see, you know, this guy that can't create a separation jump ball. I just immediately thought, oh, that's Chad Hansen, like out of Cal back in the Nate, day. Nate was to, Nate is higher on him than I am, um, just off of watching what he did at uh with Ritter. You compared him to like Eric Decker, and I was like, Decker could separate more than than Pierce yeah, can. This guy, I, I don't yeah. Pierce is very much like I'm I'm not even having a conversation about him until day three. Like, do not do not bring his name up in the third round. Like, we are not taking yeah. this guy. There's someone better on the board. 
I liked Chad Hansen, but he also played for the Jets. So I don't think your career is really going to take off over there. Um, talk to me about some of these tight ends. So to set the board, mm-hmm. the top guys in this class from this consensus board, Trey McBride from Colorado State, Jalen Weidemeyer from Texas A&M, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina, Jeremy Rucker from Ohio State, and Kate Outen from uh, Washington. I've seen McBride, Likely, and Rucker in passing. We had the anonymous scout uh, on, on Acme Packing Company. You know, we, we asked him a couple questions about uh, where, where he sees kind of just a couple of prospects. Uh, one of them was, I believe, Trey McBride was brought up. And he basically said, like, there, if these tight ends were in last year's draft class, none of them are breaking into the first, you know, three rounds, basically. And that's kind of how I see this draft class, frankly. Like, I know Trey McBride is getting some hype as a second-round guy because he can play some inline tight end. But, like, even against Mountain West defensive ends, I thought, like, his short arms really hurt him, and he wasn't nearly as good of a run blocker as people made him out to be. That Colorado State offense ran through him, like, literally. Um, they were a very bad football team that had a decent tight end. But I don't think McBride is starting games year one. Do you? This this whole tight end class is not very good. Like, there's some guys that, if, like, you want a thing that they can do, and you need that thing on your like that role on your team, like you can find a guy for that, but you're not going to find an all around guy. Yeah, McBride, McBride's the guy that's catching a lot of passes that everyone's really excited about, right? Like he was the weapon in the passing game. I think his technique as a run blocker is solid. I just don't think the play strength's there. And when you're you're not pushing guys and around, people and talk like about said, him like, like he's yeah. damn Rob Gronkowski. No. I don't get it. I, no. I don't. I don't see him being that as a run blocker I, I don't think there's that big of a difference between him and like i'm i'm sorry like you Jabora. said they come to rob gronkowski they're saying this dude blows guys off the ball and i'm like there's no way there's no way we're watching the same dude i must have watched completely different games or there was, completely different you player. could watch uh who who was it there was a it was like south dakota state at the beginning of the year they, they played colorado state because they made the mistake of uh putting them on the schedule and south dakota state i believe beat them but like you can watch south dakota state's fcs guys who aren't really going to get looks at the nfl level beating him one-on-one blocks like yeah i don't i don't see him being any better as a blocking tight end than anyone else you know that were in this group in college football so i i, I can see the like skills he's a crazy as a pass speed guy either he's, he's not like a four no. six guy at tight end so like you're just drafting like a very average t- he, he almost reminds me of like sternberger where he's just He's getting mm-hmm. such a high bump on his grade just because he already played in three-point stance, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's some skill there as far as, like, body control and hands and stuff. And uh, But, yeah, it's, it's just a guy. And it, it, I want to talk about the guy I really like, if that's okay, which is, is Jalen. Yeah, I like this guy. Talk to me about uh, him because I haven't seen him. He, he, so he played all over. And one of the things I noticed about him is like, they relied on him as a blocker in a lot of situations. Like he was out in there and pass pro despite being like an asset in the passing game as well. So when I see that, even if it's not always clean, like, I think there's some value there. He's the guy where I think he can develop the most as a run blocker, just from like the physical standpoint. I mean, I'm trying to pull up his size right now. They have him listed at six, five, two fifty five. Yeah, three, that's three a nice time. Second, second team all uh, SEC. He was all SEC freshman team in 2019. So, I mean, he has some accolades. He has some bona fides. I've, I just yeah. haven't seen him. I haven't gotten around to him. So I, I legit have no thought. When, when you think about how big and strong he is, like you're surprised with how quick he is uh, and how well he moves in open space. So he is like relatively elusive with the ball in his hands too. So he's a guy when I just see him in this class of very mediocre tight ends, he's the guy I like the most. Cause you can just physically, you can tell that he is an NFL player and you can see some of the aggressiveness. You can see some of the playmaking. So I think he, as far as like the most well-rounded tight end that you could develop into something like, you know, I'm not saying he will automatically be special, but the guy that you could see becoming special. That's when I think of this guy. Although I think about like Worcester sauce, like how do you pronounce his name? Is it Weidermeyer? Is it Wordermeyer? Like I, I assume get, I get it's stuck Weider, in my head. Weidermeyer, but okay. maybe not. Um, and again, Jalen Worcester. 
both of those tight ends are guys who can play Y, which is not what we could say about the third ranked guy. Um, we're, we're going off of the consensus board because I don't have them graded. Isaiah Likely, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, you know, ran that basically like a spread triple option team. Um, they certainly passed the hell out of the ball, but like run game wise, it still is triple. Likely is a guy who is a little, a little light. Like he's more of like a John U. Smith move type of tight end than he is, you know, a guy who's going to put his hand in the dirt. And you should know that, you know, coming in as a wide receiver, he, he is way better than, than McBride to me. The big oh, yeah. question is like, he's just probably not going to play on the ball very often. Like he's going to be a wing. He's going to be split onto the slot. You're going to be playing games with him in the backfield, but there's just not very many times you're going to have him line up. And, you know, he's in three-point stance, and you're like, hey, go block Khalil Mack. Yeah. I, so he may not be a great blocker in line, but when I do notice him actually win on blocks is when you're, like, moving him. Like, you know, maybe you're running a split zone or you're running, like, something where he needs to get to the second level. Like, he's actually surprisingly okay on those blocks, even if he is a little undersized. So I think there is some value in him as a blocker. You just can't have him be the guy on, like, you know, first and one at the goal line trying to move bodies. Yeah. I, I like him more than McBride. I think he brings more to the table mm-hmm. than McBride does, honestly. Yep. And like, likely doesn't make sense in Green Bay, depending on if Tunyon does or doesn't come back. But if Tunyon does leave, like, likely is like, starts shooting up that board, right? Where it's like, all right, we can draft this guy now. He has a roster yep. spot and he, he can do his like one thing pretty well. Um, Jeremy Ruckert, he was just kind of like an all around guy. He, has really steady hands from when I was watching. I, I watched Ohio State because of uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Obviously, they played in the same offense. Um, they don't teach their tight ends anything. It's pretty clear that like <laughs> tight end is like an overthought position uh, or, or an underthought position at Ohio State. It seems like they use tight ends just because they need to fill out roster spots or something. It seems like none of those guys are getting very good coaching. Um, but one thing that you can say about Ruckert is like he's going to catch a ball knowing that like a hit is coming to the ribs and he's not an elite athlete, but he's not a bad athlete. I assume he's going to run like four sevens or something like that. Um, I'm sure his, you know, RAS is going to be like at worst, like a 6.5 or something. It'll probably be less than, you know, a nine, but it, it'll be pretty high just in terms of his overall athleticism. The one thing that worries me is when he's off the ball and he's slicing, like there's plenty of times that he does a pretty solid job as a blocker. But then there's other times where like, you could tell from step one, he's like, I am going to tee off on this guy. And then he misses by three yards. And you're like, holy crap. Like how did (laughs) you do that against a backup end against Oregon? And you're like, you watch the next 10 plays and he does like really well, but it's like, anytime he has like that run up in space and it's like, oh, I can like, collision this guy and like make him into a highlight reel he just blows it it's it's very weird to watch i at least appreciate that he wants to i think there's not enough tight ends that actually like want to do that but yeah maybe it's not always the cleanest maybe like you said maybe we can just chalk this up to coaching because they just don't even like think about him as a coach i will say this if him and weidermeyer are on the board at the same time and they take Ruckert, i'm going to be very sad i just there's i i can see the upside with weidermeyer with Ruckert. i think i already see even if you can coach it up, I just don't love it. Yeah. Um, Kate Auden from Washington have not seen him uh, watch Washington in season a little bit, just because I'm in Pac-12 country. I can only assume he's a good run blocker because that's what Washington develops. Like they develop why wide receivers. And what, what's your, I guess, what's your thought on Rutgers being that guy? I think Rutgers is probably better as an offline guy, but like he can do the why stuff. Like he's, He's not DeGuara necessarily. Like he's closer to a Y than DeGuara is, I would say. Yeah. Uh, the other guy I see talking about as a Y is um, Ferguson of Wisconsin. Uh, so I think he's they're similar players. I like, just I like Jake Ferguson, yeah. honestly. Like The problem I'm, is he's just a little undersized. Yeah, I'm pretty anti-Wisconsin in general just because I feel like the overcorrection in Packers Twitter is just always swings Wisconsin. So I'm like trying to talk guys down other than uh, – my son, Vince Beagle, who, who didn't pan out. I have a Vince Beagle. Hands above eyes, baby. Long Hands arm. above eyes. So one, one of my Twitter followers actually uh, bought me a Vince Beagle jersey and sent it to me because he was in Madison 
and they were like on clearance because they had made all these Vince Beagle jerseys and he was no longer on the team. So they were selling them for like $5 a pop. And so someone sent it to me. Um, but I actually, uh, I met him at Packer Palooza and I literally brought up the long arm and hands above eyes. So I thought you'd appreciate that. He really appreciated that someone noticed. Ball talk. T- hashtag Tyler knows ball. Uh, so uh, what, were you, what were you talking about? I'm Rucker. Sorry, Rucker. I got about Ferguson and Rucker. Oh, Ferguson. That was the guy I wanted to talk about. I really like Ferguson. Like, I, he has yeah. a role in the NFL. Uh, I, I know he isn't, like, super high up draft boards, but, like, that guy is a guy who produced for multiple years at Wisconsin. He could play as the Y. I understand he's not the biggest guy on earth, but, like, if you're asking me Ferguson or um, Daphne, I'd rather I'd rather roster Ferguson. Like there, there's plenty of ways for him to make a roster. So I actually do like him. But but Kate Outen, um, the UW tight end. Tell me tell me no idea. Nothing. Uh, there you, we go. Hey, you gotta you got you gotta take it a little easy on me because obviously you work a full-time job for writing a book. Here's my book right. plugs, the science of football coming up fall of 2022. Uh, can't wait for that to come out. Um, so I literally just like when I'm tired and I don't want to play video games, I turn on some background music and I just watch these guys. So I'm at 101 players graded. So I'm sorry I haven't watched everyone. Uh, it's very hard you. with my schedule currently. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I forgive. You. I've heard things about Auden. Uh, just the only other guys I've watched, really, uh, I've watched uh, upside slash floor Jimmy Graham, which is Jelani Woods out of uh, Virginia. Mm. He's like six, seven. I think he's almost he's, six, he's seven. Massive. Yeah. He had eight touchdowns. Uh, this actually, I think he had eight touchdowns of back-to-back seasons. I might be mixing him up with someone. I know he had eight touchdowns last year. Uh, he's the red zone guy, right? Like just a yep. big body uh, control. I'm surprised watching him cut on some of his routes. Cause like he makes some pretty sharp ones with his size. Uh, there's not much else I love. I don't think he's a phenomenal blocker. And maybe that's just cause his pad level is too high, but like, it's, it's not great. Um, yeah, I have not watched Otten, though. I'm sorry. Oh, you don't, you don't have to apologize to me for not watching UW. <laughs> they, they, they stink anyway. Bow down. Um, all right, so next time we get together, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, edge rushers. Let's, let's plan to talk about edge rushers. And then I'll watch uh, Dotson, Tolbert, and Weidermeyer. We'll get my thoughts on cool. those guys since you've already seen him, seen them, and, and you like them pretty well. So. This, this edge class is freaking awesome. I mean, I there watched, are even guys that I think. I was watching Ohio State against Penn State, and uh, 17 kept popping off the screen for Penn State. And I was like, or whatever? Yeah, I Holy was like, shit, yeah. I was at the group chat like, hey, is this a guy? And they're like, yeah, he might be a first-round pick. And I was like, cool, because he looks like it. So, yeah, I mean, these guys these guys are everywhere. I'm excited to finally kind of sink, sink my teeth on the defensive side of, of the ball. I just know. Everyone wants to talk about quarterbacks. Everyone wants to talk about wide receivers, especially in Green Bay right now. So I figured we, we touched those guys before we get to the defensive side, but I'm happy to finally, you know, be able to sink my teeth in, you know, after I watch these couple couple guys. Let me let me tease one guy for you that we'll talk about next week because I, I can envision you wanting him in green and gold, and that's Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. Have not seen him, have seen a lot of hype about him. So, yeah. I think I'm, you'll I'm like him. To, I'm excited to peep him. He's the uh, the Georgia transfer, right? Yep. Yes. And you can tell that he played at Georgia. Hell yeah. Let's go. Draft season, baby. Let's get it done. All these guys are going to oh, start running soon. We're going to get uh, the, the rumors of, hey, you know, the Packers met with X. Does it mean anything? No, no, but we'll still pay attention to it. We'll still pay attention to it. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, I'll Take be care. there. So I'll Edge make sure to see what uh, Edge rushers, 100%. Can't wait.